Hello and welcome to the next installment of the Opt-In Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Police Officer Joe Galetta. I am joined this week with... John McGraw. And... Lindsay, aka Chicken Nugget. And we have our guest this week... Uh, Sergeant Mark Richardson. Excellent. Thank you all for being here this week. So, uh, Sarge, what is it that you do with the NYPD? Currently, um, one of about five sergeants at the Transit Bureau's K-9 unit, and we're a citywide unit, and I run the, uh, the first platoon. What does a first platoon mean? Uh, midnight tour. Oh, midnight tour. Okay. Yep. That's a fun one, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Graveyard <laughs> shift. <laughs> Good times. Can you give us some background on how you became a police officer? It was a long road, a very long road. I wanted to be a police officer ever since college. Uh, I went to the University of Pittsburgh. But coming back to uh, New York, I actually worked for, uh, at the time, New York Telephone, which be- later became Bell Atlantic and then later became Verizon. So I was there about 13 years. And uh, every November, being a, a first-line manager in corporate America in the, uh, the private sector, Every about, you know, every November they had the pink slips and the round of layoffs. So uh, looking for a little bit more job security, I made a big, bold decision to leave Verizon and uh, take the test a few years earlier. And when they had a buyout, I was able to leave Verizon. And luckily, I was able to uh, get into the police academy. And that's all I needed to take it from there. Did you have a mentor or role model that led you to your job? Yeah, actually, I used to work at this garage on Fountain Avenue in Brooklyn, and that's pretty near the uh, 75 Precinct. And a couple of cops would routinely come in and use the the free row of telephones we had where you can call all over. And I uh, befriended a few cops from the 75, and, you know, he said, you know, have you ever thought about leaving uh, the, the, the company? And uh, we got to talking. They kind of told me what they do and how the, great the job was and what it entails. And uh, that kind of led to me, you know, looking more into it. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, I took the test from, I remember their experiences, took the test and uh, went from there. So the, the kind of inspiration you had to become a police officer was basically just the interaction overall with uh, police officers, or it's just that specific um, set of interactions? No, I always had the I always had the notion, you know, of becoming a police officer, but you really don't get a chance to uh, talk to police officers every day. <laughs> so seeing the police officers come in and they're routinely, you know, or they're actually on patrol and seeing them in action, you know. And they're telling me the nuances of what, what it entails and what they do. That kind of definitely got me roped in and pushed me over the edge uh, to really take becoming a police officer seriously. So I definitely accredit the, the interaction with police officers to get me involved. So you are currently a canine transit officer. How did you become one? Becoming a sergeant is way more difficult than becoming a coming in as a handle as a police officer because there's only a couple of slots for sergeants available so at the time i was working in the anti-terrorist unit a new unit uh in transit uh did a lot of work a lot of good work in the anti-terrorist unit and uh was definitely noticed by the deputy inspector who is the ceo of special ops in transit 
when the transit opening, transit bureau canine opening for one sergeant became available, I was given the information to apply. And at that point, I started working out because it's a physical test. Did very well in the interview, and I subsequently beat out, say, about eight or nine sergeants for one uh, sergeant slot. So that's that's a little bit of luck, a little bit of skill, and a little bit of uh, the man up above. <laughs> that, that's why I got in. That's why I got it to to, to canine. So it's pretty hard. Pretty hard, in other words. What was the yeah. the physical test like? What like what did they ask of you? Uh, that's a, no. That's a good question. The physical uh, test, from what I understand, is probably a more difficult. It's probably up there with ESUs. I, I believe ESU uh, Harbor. They have a pretty tough test, and then canine. That's probably the, the, the three top uh, tests, I would say, physically, just to get into the unit that's pretty difficult. Um, the, the test begins with a series of dog bites with a sleeve on your arm. You get a, a feel of the, 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 the biting pressure from the canine's mouth, and you drag the canines about, I would say, about 30 to 40 yards. Then you do that a couple of times. Then you do a simulated, uh, a simulated dog lift to get the dog to release the bite. You jump, you do a simulated roadbed rescue of the canine where you lift a sandbag onto a platform. And then you have to jump onto the platform with your a weighted vest, which is a simulation of your gun belt, your vest, and a helmet on. So that, that's, that's actually pretty difficult. Uh, another part of the test is you run up about three flights of stairs, which is uh, go down to the transit station. You run up three flights of stairs. You uh, run, you pick up a 60 pound sandbag, again, the simulation of a canine rescue, and you run through the turnstiles to uh, an ending point, and that's timed. And then after that, you have to pass the 3.1 mile, I believe it's 3.1 miles, uh, whatever the job standard jogging test is uh one and a half miles one and a half miles okay there yeah. you go yeah one and a half miles exactly then you do the one and a half mile uh run at the end and that's timed as well and then everything else is after that is given points and then you're ranked out accordingly oh wow that is that is pretty intense it's a little bit more yeah. intense than just getting on um, right exactly yeah. exactly luckily i was 40 i think 47 at the time yeah, that sounds about right. About 47 at the time, and uh, I smoked it. Yeah, did very well on it. Nice, track. nice. Was there ever a moment that you kind of felt like, you know, this is something I want, this is worth it, but it, at a moment it was at like the all-time difficult for you where I don't want to say give up, but there was a moment where there was a, a really a second thought. Was there? No. You mean it, becoming uh, into the department or, or into canine? Uh, canine. No, not at all. I, you know what? Canine is, is like a niche unit. It's not, I, I didn't even know too much about K-9 until, uh, until the inspector, you know, I knew, I, I saw the guys with the dogs and whatnot, but it's kind of a, a unit that you look at and you say to yourself, uh, I'll, you know, I'll never be able to get into that unit for whatever reason. So it was really, it wasn't on my radar. Usually things like Intel, uh, a couple of other high profile units like gang unit, uh, warrants, stuff like that. Those are more of the mainstream units that a lot of people try to segue into. But again, NYPD is so big and has so many divisions and units that K-9 was kind of a, a, a smaller niche unit that I never really uh, gave any thought to. But once it came up on my radar and I, 
and I put all my uh, efforts into it. There's absolutely no nothing that would hold me back or or uh, become too difficult for me um, or any obstacles that I would encounter. What does your job entail on a daily basis? Our job is first and foremost visibility with the uh, the canines for a myriad of reasons. One, the uh, the reputation of the dog. Everybody knows what the dog can and cannot do when it comes to patrol and it comes to another element, which is called explosive detection, which uh, the dogs are trained to indicate the components that are put together to make an explosive device. So a dog could sniff that out just like they could sniff out sugar, which is one component of a cake. And they're able to, to discern out of 30 or, or 35 different ingredients into a cake, they could pick out chocolate, they could pick out sugar, they could pick out the flour. So the dog sensitivity is thousands more amplified than a human noses. So our core mission is definitely explosive detection and, and patrol. On a daily basis, being transit-focused and transit-based, we go out, we're, we're highly visible in, in the mezzanine sections, the, 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 the station entrances, platforms on the train themselves we take train uh train patrols from station to station and we ride you know we ride all over the place people see us people think you know they thank us a lot for being out there and if there's a, a suspicious package uh we don't know what it is could be a suitcase could be a uh, backpack that somebody left we'll use the dogs to sweep it and to see if they indicate anything that's uh that may be explosive based or you know, in that realm. And then after that, we either have a positive or negative indication and uh, we, we go from there. If it is a positive, then we would obviously call ESU and we'll uh, go, go through protocol to, to make sure the, the bag or suitcase is safe. How has the job been different with the shutdown of the transit system, I believe, at 1 a.m.? For my role on the midnights, it definitely impacted us uh, tremendously because there's no one in the stations, really. So we still go out on patrol and we cover the entrances, uh, make sure it's secure, uh, the perimeter. And we go to all the major hubs, Fulton, um, Fulton Station, Penn Station, Herald Square. Uh, 42nd and 7th, 46th and 8th Times Square, just to make sure the entrance and the perimeter are secure during those hours of the closures. After going through the testing, let's let, going back a little bit, uh, how long is the training that a handler would have with a dog? Just sort of like the, the dog's police academy, if you will. How long is yeah, that? Yeah, oh, very good question. Uh, very good question. Once you're, it's, you know, some people... Uh, may see that we, we get the dogs pretty quick, but sometimes it takes weeks, sometimes it takes months before the training staff goes to the vendor. And the vendors could be a, a multitude of places uh, where the dogs are bred or the dogs come from overseas. So we usually get our dogs anywhere from 11 to 13 to 14 months to start the training. So we don't take puppies uh, normally. And once you're assigned, based on your personality, a dog that matches your personality, so to speak, the training staff would, would make that determination. And then you enter the, 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 the program. So for explosive detection training, that's anywhere from, I would say, three and a half to five months, give or take. 
Ample training, that's the agility, tracking, uh, scent work, bite work, and a, a few other things like uh, article detection, uh, et cetera. That would take anywhere from, I believe, uh, seven to nine months of training. Wow. And how often yeah. is a, a dog and a handler not a good match? Is, is that frequent or? Yes, it can be frequent. Um, that That's a good question as well. Sometimes like you have a individual who may be not, uh, wouldn't say introvert or extrovert, but you know, kind of, um, you have some people who are more up and excitable. And then you have some people who are more laid back and calm. So you try to pair the dog who may be more hyper, more full, full of energy. You may give him to a, a guy who's more laid back. So he would have to come, you know, raise his game up. And then vice versa. If you have a dog that's more laid back, uh, may need a, a kick in the rear end here and there, so to speak, then uh, you'll give it to a high, a high strung guy who can pick the dog up. So they try to pair the dogs with the handlers based on traits and personalities and, and how much energy, how much drive you have. Because the dogs that we get usually have a tremendous drive. They're, they're work dogs, so they're not right, pets. Right. You know, so uh, once you're paired up with your dog, going through training, sometimes it, the match doesn't work. And then they'll, they'll trade dogs out and it makes a match a little bit more. And by the third, fourth week, it, it shakes out. It usually, it usually works out because the, the, the training staff we have are very experienced uh host of detectives that know what they're doing they've been there for years and they got their bread and butter from esu's canine program back in 2006 or 2007 i believe so we we've learned from the best uh and nypd within the three canine units we're we're all very at a, you know we train at a high level a very high level so when you're uh in that training program for either four, five months, all the way to a year, so if you're, especially if you're doing both disciplines, then, you know, at that point, you're going to become one formidable team once it's all said and done and you've completed your training. So let's take a moment now to pause and listen to our sponsors. And we're back. So I know you mentioned um, before break that the dogs are work dogs. Um, so it comes in the in the question for me is that when a, when a handler gets assigned a dog, this is like you know this is their partner. How deep does that relationship uh, typically go in terms of the handler and the dog relationship? Are they around each other all day? Is it just for the work hours? That your canine partner is with you all the time, twenty four seven. Actually, my guys, but. Barking in the background because he, he's hearing me uh, speak. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's with you all the time. Yeah, he's with you all the time, uh, even more so than your own kid. Because, you know, obviously you don't take your kids to work. So you take him home, you, you feed him, you walk him, you give him exercise, uh, any medical care that he may need. Uh, you go to work, clean him up, and he's, he's ready to go. You work with him all day, and then uh, you both go home, and day in, day out. So you become, you really, really become uh, very close with your canine partner. What are the dogs taught to detect and how do they detect them? They're taught to detect articles. Could be a firearm, could be uh, keys, could be hats, could be clothing for missing persons. For explosive detection, uh, any type of component that are made 
that people you would use to make a explosive device or, or, or in other words, a bomb. So that could be uh, uh, sodium nitrate. It could be uh, TNT, uh, black powder, uh, s- s- those type of components. Is the dog just always on alarm for these um, these these smells, or when you're looking for a specific smell, uh, how how do you kind of get that dog into that mode? We have a certain uh, word. Uh, some guys would say seeks. I use search, and that would automatically trigger their job. And they would, you know, we have a technique where we, I would use that word, and the dog's nose would go on the article that was that were we're uh, searching we're trying to detect and the dog would either sit or or continue going on and smelling another thing so we could uh put that dog in that mode and that and then he'll take over from there and the same thing would go for patrol if you have a missing persons uh say you the missing person has a hat or a piece of clothing the dog would smell that and then go outside and outside or inside and do a, what's called a track and would try to get the scent or direct direction of the scent and go straight ahead and try to find that uh, missing person. Yeah, I think that's really interesting that the dogs mm-hmm. aren't just sitting there for um, what a lot of people believe of, you know, just chasing people down in the detention process like that, but also um, looking for missing persons as well. Not, you know, not just uh, for bombs Criminal only, L- like, Right, right, exactly. As as well as the criminal element. Right, right. Uh, right. You have uh, guys that may have me have a perp that that may rob someone or or did a burglary job, and uh, they're hiding somewhere. Could be a hundred feet from the from the scene. Could be could be half a mile. And that dog would would find the tracks, find the scent, and and uh, track that perpetrator down. And that, and then at that point, the, he would either indicate the location, or if need be, he would go to the a second level of use of force continuum, and that would be a dog bite. Do uh do the dogs wear vests? Do they have ballistic vests as well? You know that that's also a good question. Some departments do. Uh, we do not have typically ballistic vests. Um, that's just uh something that. I believe that we just haven't gotten into at this point. Right. I can never rule out the future, but uh, mo- for most departments, I don't believe uh, dogs have bulletproof vests. On the topic of of, of the dog and, and and vests, is there any physical gear? Um, like, would the dog be the dog be assigned like a badge? Does he have like a, a tag, like like things like that? Uh, yeah, a lot of guys have their a miniature version of their their shield. Obviously, these. Your canine partner is a police officer, and that's in the penal code of New York State that the animals are designated as police officers. So there, they like I would have a little sergeant's shield on my dog's neck uh, from time to time, and the police officers would have a white shield. And if you're a detective, you'd have a a small detective shield on your dog. Uh, we also have some type of some equipment with a vest. It's not a bulletproof vest, but it's a more I would say a carrier of uh velcro and loops that attaches uh, other piece of equipment like uh, cameras uh other explosive type of uh detection equipment that may we may use for specific jobs so that job that dog could, with the camera could be remotely seen at a distance and uh controlled from afar and that we also have that type of equipment so, the oh, dogs, so it's not like the dog's right. getting his own body camera 
Right, right. No, not like right. Exactly. Not like <laughs> correct. His his body camera would be more uh, job specific, and uh, he may be looking for something. Uh, maybe uh, extra level of detection, and uh, that's a whole another scope of uh, the dog's role. So the dog not only have his nose, but could be paired with the nose and modern electronics to broaden the dog's scope of of uh, use and, and duty in the field. Uh, makes the dog highly effective as being that the dog is fast, agile, and can get in and out of small places more than a human being can. How often would you use a dog as a transit officer? As uh, for on a daily patrol assignment? Yes. Uh, daily. Daily. Uh, every time we, we go into the transit system, the dog's always with you. The dog's always with you. Unless the dog is being kenneled up. You know, we give a dog a break. You know, the dog's not going to be with you eight hours of the day. And we give the dogs a break. We have a kennel system in the inside the trucks that are heat and cold uh, temperature uh, controlled through the climate control systems in the, in the SUVs or a patrol car. And uh, we have a rig with a, a regular kennel in the back. And they're nice and cozy in the back. And when they have to go on duty, they, they're ready. They're ready to go. Do you have your own pets, like, besides the dog that you have from work? <laughs> yes, I do. I have a uh, Pomerang Chihuahua. She's about uh, seven. She's a, a 10-pound, small, <laughs> much smaller dog than my 80-pound German <laughs> Shepherd. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, she was here first, and she is the alpha over him. So they get along. They get along fine. And it, it, for him, she's more of a a curiosity, <laughs> but uh, they have a, a little weird relationship, but it, it, it's definitely fun to watch from a, from an 80 pound dog to a 10 pound dog. But there are, most dogs are pack animals and the hierarchy will fall into place. And once you socialize your dog, that is part of the family. It's a, a very nice, cozy uh, dynamic between the dogs and the, the people around them. So this is a, a question that makes me sad. I wanted to ask it. How often, um, if often at all, is there moments where you'd have to retire a canine? The larger dogs can go uh, anywhere from seven, eight, nine years of age to 11, 12. But once they show signs of slowing down and approaching retirement age or retirement condition, because you know all dogs are different, uh, that dog would be retired, would more or less uh, be your home companion still come to work with you and eventually you'll be given a second dog and that up there, your first dog would be retired. So once that dog is retired and unfortunately the dogs do, uh, you know, uh, expire and we have a memorial, a wall at the canine base in Astoria, Queens for every single canine that has served NYPD and served very well with distinction. Uh, and you, you have a plaque. You would be given the dog's remains in a, a beautiful urn to be memorialized in your home. And these canines are always remembered through the naming process alone. I, we didn't touch on that, but I'll just touch base on that. A lot of our, our slain members of the department, we would dedicate their memories into our own dogs on patrol, their names or are taken from slain members of the service, whether it's 
uh, Transit Bureau, Patrol Service Bureau, Housing Bureau, or some those were even named after uh, fire department uh, members of service who have lost their lives in the line of duty. So it's a big thing. It's a big thing, uh, a serious program that we, we memorialize our dogs. So these dogs, even through retirement and when they own, they also expire, that name of that dog was, will always forever be in that wall and they're never forgotten. So what would you say is the most rewarding part of your job? I would say, not to be biased, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I would say we're, we're very fortunate to have a living, breathing partner. Outside of Mounted, they're, they're the same thing. Unfortunately, they don't take their horses home. But uh, I would say that the most rewarding part would, would be that element where our dogs are not only our partners at the job, but they're your partner at home. So even when you're walking your dog normally in a dog uh, area or you're in your own time and you're off duty, it's it's a, a bond that doesn't stay at your locker when you go home. You're not taking off your uniform. You take off your uh, equipment belt and putting in your locker and then you drive home and it's just you. When you go home and you take off that uniform, the main piece of your uniform is still with you in the back in the kennel. <laughs> making noise so i would say that's uh that's the that it, you know obviously i'm a, a huge dog lover and it makes my job a lot easier um sometimes it's not all fun uh sometimes the dogs have accidents in the kennels uh they get sick you have to go to the hospital with them and help them get through some sickness and it could be it could be uh with dealing with a 70 80 pound dog uh, taking pills and certain medications. It could be sometimes a trying experience. So that part uh, is a whole nother level of, of care that you're giving a, a living, breathing uh, animal. So that that element is the most rewarding, that you're always a caregiver for a dog 24-7. Some people will never know the dedication and the amount of commitment it takes to be a canine handler based on that one element that your canine partner is always with you 24-7. Absolutely. I know uh, my wife has said I'm never allowed to join canine because she can't handle me and the dog going to work every day. So, <laughs> You know, <laughs> most, most of us have to have our wives and uh, significant others sign off on that because it, it, it is a, a trying commitment. It really is. It really is because, you know, he's part of the family. Right, right. He's part of the family. And, uh, you know, um, they interact with the with my canine partner. His name is Robert Venable. He's named after a transit officer who lost his life in 1987. And uh, that name is a part of our household as well. And we do know the Venable family. And they're very, very nice folks. And we do see them at memorials and different occasions and dedications throughout the years. And... Uh, their 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 interaction with the family members is, is priceless it's priceless right we are just about at the end of the show here sarge i would like to really thank you for for coming on here um me personally canine is always a fascinating unit so to get to sit down and and talk with a canine officer is is always amazing a pleasure joe anytime thank you everyone for tuning in to this episode of opt-in nyc I am your host, Officer Joe Galetta. For Mackenzie, for John, for Sergeant Richardson, make sure you tune in next week. Like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you keep listening.